Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast, this time talking about employer branding. With the talent crisis still biting, employer branding is an undeniable growth industry. Uh, The dream is that it can overhaul talent attraction, retention, and even productivity. So we want to gather some of the top-level practitioners to ask, is it really possible to change things quickly? And how will smart employees start to improve their work in this space? And I'm delighted to say that we have some of those experts with us today. So I wondered, Emma, could you begin by giving us an introduction to who you are and what your company does, please? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. Emma Tolhurst. I'm the Executive Director for Brand-Led Employee Experience at Landor & Fitch, which is a business, creative business transformation company. Um, And I focus purely on the talents and employees within businesses and how we bring them to bear in any business transformation. Perfect. And Catherine? Sure. I'm Catherine Fallon. I'm Head of Employee Engagement and Change at Emperor. Emperor is an employee-owned agency, actually, and we do strategic and creative communications. We became employer-owned in 2020, just before lockdown, and um, we specialise in brand, digital, sustainability and reporting. Perfect. Well, I'm delighted to have both of you on for this conversation. I know it's something that we've almost been overdue talking about on the Drum Network podcast, so delighted that we can finally discuss it. Catherine, if we could stick with you, I wondered, when we're talking about employer branding, what specifically is it that we're talking about? How does it differ from, say, reputation? So employer branding, first of all, I think it's important to know that you can't actually really control it so much Mm. because it's what people say about you in the market. And it might be what someone might say, um, if, for example, you contacted someone who has worked for that organization, it's based on their lived experience of working there. So the um, the person may have quite a, a forthcoming view on, on the organization. You might also uh, get a perception of the employer brand through something like Glassdoor as mm. well where again you get very frank opinions about the experience i've seen some very very frank opinions expressed on glassdoor and i think there are some um employer brands where you have a perception and part of it is based on the on the the overarching brand of the organization and it can influence your perception but it may not necessarily match up to the real life experience if you just go and work for them Mm. so you know, it's something that you can't control. There are lots of opinions in the market, but you can influence it, I would say. And so, Emma, I noticed at the start you were nodding along when Catherine was saying that it was mm. an external, uh, I suppose, um, factor and it's an external perception of what the company is like. Is that, does that mean that we fundamentally can't change it? Or is that something that is, you know, something that has to be grappled with at an internal level and then filter out? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I was nodding because I totally agree um, with that. But I think perception of brand overall, of course, these days and has been for some time. And when you're trying to look at brand um, in terms of people, the best thing a company can do, um, whether you can control it or not, is to have a plan to connect your people to your brand. So if they're showing up to customer, if they're showing up to business, if they're just generally talking about the business, there's a real connection to your brand purpose story and they can clearly articulate that. So simplicity is key. And sometimes I think with brand perception, it's very complex. So I think it's simplicity and really bringing your, your people on board so that they can tell the story because they tell the story best, whatever role they play in your organization. That's really interesting. Where does that complexity come from then? 
I think it comes from, I mean, brands these days, if you look at any brand, um, they've had to diversify. Um, they've had to broaden out their portfolio for generating additional revenue. And if you just look at anyone, and I think we've seen through through the pandemic, we've seen a significant shift in those companies that we thought would be successful and those that we thought would would not. Um, and, and there's almost that's been turned on its head. So I think complexity comes from the broader offerings that perhaps more traditional, for example, retail companies uh, now going into fintech. There's many mm. different aspects to it. And I think that's where the complexity comes and the types of roles that are now required within organizations that, and the variety of those. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. It's almost like you're a a victim of your own success to some extent because it makes it harder to actually articulate what it is kind of the, those core uh, elements that make you who you are but Catherine does that mean that you know articulating purpose is far and away one of the uh, the most common things that brands try to do to manage how people see them yeah absolutely so when we talk about um employer brand we we look at um for example um the promises that um organizations are making to their different stakeholders and purpose is definitely one of the fundamental elements that influence that so I think we can all think of brands that we want to go and work for because they have an amazing purpose so Patagonia for example Mm. um, I'm sure lots of young people have that aspiration to go and work for them Mm. but it is only just one aspect and I think what's important is that you understand what different stakeholders are really looking for um, and everyone's going to have a different um, thing that kind of is going to compel them to want to go and work for an organization but purpose is definitely something that is quite cool for a lot of stakeholders and I, I do think it depends on where you are in your career journey as well yeah um, some, some people it may not be something that really kind of compels them to want to join does a good a really good employer brand actually transcend those different stakeholders and demographics or is it necessarily on the brand itself to tailor its offering and then how it wants to be perceived by those different demographics what, what we believe, Emperor, is that you need to have a really um, robust employer value proposition that underpins your employer brand. And um, we create uh, three pillars, and those are the uh, essentially the truths of the organization um, and the promise, um, the true promise that they're making to their stakeholders. And um, what we do is we enable the uh, our client to create very tailored messaging based on those different pillars. And we view it a little bit like a mixing desk in a sound studio. So one of our clients at the moment is trying to target software engineers in India, for example. So we can fine tune the pillars to really speak to the software engineers in India, whereas they're also trying to target um, engineers in North America. And those stakeholders are looking for something completely different. Mm. So we're able to tailor the messaging. So the employer brand can really flex and adapt and the messaging can flex and adapt. I don't think it's one size fits all. I think in these, you know, this day and age, there has to be that um, ability to create almost like a bespoke version. And then I suppose, Emma, the question is how far can an employee brand flex without it sort of becoming, I suppose, meaningless and actually does remain true to those core values that Catherine was talking about? Well, I think, and this is the greatest challenge we have now as businesses, but I think what we've seen is that over 
the last few years um, are several things, right? One, one is that people, we talk about the great resignation and actually mm. it's the great reflection, isn't it? It's about people finding um, ways in which they want to live their life and, and, and almost like a micro purpose of an individual has now come to bear in a, in a company's decision making. Um, and so with that, I think the flex needs to be there. Um, we also know that like 83% of companies in the last three years have shown growth, positive growth, if they have a well-articulated brand purpose. So we know that purpose has been elevated. We know that purpose now has much more meaning in terms of a brand and brand context and place of work than it used to have. And I think that needs to connect to this individual purpose. And I think if you can marry the two, if you can marry individual purpose and a brand purpose, and it's all well-articulated, your story is told, your people understand, it allows for flexibility. Because if your individual people within your company will have a different nuance to that, I think that's where it flexes in the voice of the employee. And if they're hiring talent, of course, that will then connect with similar talent. So I think, yes, there is a need for flexibility. And I would agree um, the EVP or the People Value Proposition can flex to give you what you need. Um, but I think it's the pe- enabling the people gives you the most flex um, to, to be able to connect with a variety of skills and talent. As we know, most brands now are much more diverse in the skills they need. Absolutely. One of the things I know that, uh, well, the Drum Network's editor, Sam, wants to ask mm-hmm. is, has the conversation evolved as younger people have entered the market with different um, expectations of what they want from an employer? I don't know which of you wants to sort of take that, but to what extent is the, this influx of a new generation of talent into the workforce actually impacting how we think about employer branding? I think with that one, I think it comes back to this purpose because we know that this younger generation really do want more meaningful work. And we know that through study, through data, through feedback. Um, So I think if we're all trying to solve a problem, employability, skills generation, skills development, that we've got to listen to that. Um, And I think some companies will flex and have flex, for example, to offering a much more hybrid way of working. And we see people, journalists, they're on beaches, they're they're moving around. It doesn't actually matter where you're located um, from a work perspective, as long as the outcome and you're measured on that outcome, as long as that continues. So I think there's a bit there about sort of thinking at a higher level, of course, you need policy. Of course, you need the right infrastructure in place. But I think it's a bit of that. Um, but I would equally say there is an older generation of, you know, I'm going to say it, over 50s, yeah. um, almost the most unemployed group of people we can look at. And how can we address that? Because that's mm. a huge untapped pool of talent. So I think it's marrying the two, yes, being flexible and being open to new suggestions from our, you know, new employee uh, employee base. Um, I think that's really the best way of, of coping in this period of time. Nice. Well, I'm definitely going to pitch that beach idea to my editor and just just, say, <laughs> just judge me on the results. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, Catherine, you were nodding along there, particularly to um, Emma's point about skills development, I think. So is that something that you've seen as being? Yeah, definitely. I think people want to join an organisation that has a very clear vision that is investing in the organization not only in the organization itself but the people within the organization people fundamentally want to feel like they're going to grow and develop and they see that if a company has that vision that purpose then they are going to grow and develop with that organization as it strives to achieve its vision um so i i think it's absolutely crucial that part of the employer brand 
um, kind of illustrates and shows maybe through the voice of um, employees, um, the opportunities that are available to grow and develop and to achieve your full potential, essentially. Mm. And so how is that part of an employer brand established? How do you actually go about sort of setting out your stall, you know, so to speak? Um, in the first place, how do you almost go from a standing start to having that employer brand that employers, uh, rather employees or potential stakeholders want to be a part of? I, I think you have to listen to to your stakeholders. So I think you need to really understand who you're trying to reach and you need to do quite an extensive discovery process. I, I don't think you can make any assumptions at all about what people want and need. And I think um, there are so many variables now. I don't even think you can necessarily say that someone of a certain age wants certain things and a Gen, Gen Z wants another thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really, it kind of, it, there isn't a playbook anymore. I think it's been ripped up. So if you if you really listen to stakeholders, listen to um, recruiters in the market as well to hear what they're hearing from candidates, uh, listen to your employees. And I think then you'll start to build a picture of what you really want. And then you can start to create an employer brand that lives up to that that those expectations. I completely agree. And I think it's sort of having some sort of having a strategic um, view of how you're going to address need um, and listening. And, you know, we have uh, at Landron Fitch, we have listening platforms, which we deploy for this purpose, um, which uh, are AI based and therefore intelligent and can ask questions as they come through. And it's, it's really interesting. So I think listening, yes, getting data, yes. Um, and really simplifying the brand story. If you can tell a story which resonates, um, to Catherine's point, resonates with people generally about what it is you stand for, then you're going to attract people who want to stay. Mm. And one of the biggest challenges we're all facing now is obviously retention because there is this movement of talent around organisations. And, you know, we've seen people from the service industries move into completely different fields um, and uh, for survival in many cases and for interest in others, right? So I do think it is about being able to articulate that. I do think that having uh, an employer value proposition or a people value proposition that is clear and connected to the brand um, in all its guises, and that comes in many different forms, but making sure that that is there for people and to equip the internal team so that you're not sort of constantly um, uh, diverting attention away from your brand, you're continuously bringing people back to it. So it's inescapable in a very good way, um, track the right talent. So yeah, I I would completely agree. And is there, is it fundamental to a brand that it be able to evolve and change, you know, as the, well, I mean, as the world around it changes? Is this something that you can, you have to plan for? Or is it something that happens naturally? I think we've seen, I think in the last few years, we've seen needs, right? And I think there are some companies who've absolutely had to do something about it. What we notice with our clients is um, this area of talent attraction, uh, retention, and 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 development, skills development is now top of the list. It's top of the CEO's list. I think it's something like ninety-two percent of companies now have it top of their list. But often they just don't know how to manage it. So I think you know we're going to see more and more of this discussion. Um, and I uh, and to Catherine's point, I think also more of an evolution around what can be on offer. So flexibility, 
in work in every guise that you might imagine. A few years ago was was a lot of companies were going, we need to have the right policy in place. Um, we need to allow people to work from home. Mm. And now actually flexibility is no longer flexible. And it doesn't mean working at home or working in the office. It means hours. It means ways of working. It means all of the different types of roles. So I think the answer is yes, we we all need to be, you know, as businesses need to be focused on how we engage with people and human um, and it will evolve year on year. And we don't quite know where it's going to go, I would say. I think the future of work is is something that we're just going to have to keep our ear to the ground on. That's quite exciting in a way to think about the fact that, you know, we don't necessarily know that. And, you know, we've seen such change over the past couple of years. It must be quite a sort of exciting process to try and keep keep on top of and actually sort of say, well, look, here is how, you know, expectations are changing. That actually sounds like a really fun part of the business to be a part of. Absolutely. But, um, Absolutely. but then you have a really interesting dimension, which is you also want to be differentiated mm. in your market as well or not necessarily in your market. So if, if going back to the software engineer example, loads and loads of companies are trying to hire software engineers at the moment. So you're competing with, for example, like of Tesla, for example, or Amazon. So you really have to differentiate yourself as well. So it, it is something your employer brand has to evolve because everyone else's employer brand is evolving as well. It's not static, it's changing. Mm-hmm. And you really do need to stand apart from from your kind of talent competitors Mm. and figure out what is that thing that really is unique to you and what we're finding that it's often culture. Okay. So it's not necessarily a thing. It's 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 that that um, people sell as a part of the whole experience of joining the organisation. And so what I'd like to do now is ask about some of the practical aspects of employer branding, because everybody who's listening will want to know now that their brand is established, now that they've actually gone about setting themselves apart, if they have, how do you go about tracking the efficacy and how good your employer branding actually is? So Emma, what are some of those fundamental methods you go about to sort of measure the effectiveness of an employer's brand? Yeah, absolutely. And again, there are different ways for different companies. But I think what is um, we've both touched on is listening. Mm. Um, And I think we learn through that listening. And every time we listen to a different client at Lander and Fitch, we learn something new. And I I think you're right. It's an exciting um, industry to be in because we are learning every day something new will come up. So listening, um, using technology to support um, feedback, um, 360 feedback. Feedback. So I think there's there's several ways. One is you know deploying tools regularly to be able to to, to be able to listen, um, having a always on listening, which is very feasible with social with all of the platforms we have now, um, and then also making sure that you react to it. Hmm. So um, often we can listen, but there is no action, and I think people see that um, and won't contribute. And if you're trying to um, encourage collaboration learning, innovation, new ideas in your organization, then you have to show that you are really responding to people's queries and questions. So practical things really for measuring this are kept simple, are using technology, making sure that you're responding and you're going back to your people and being happy to change if things Mm. don't work. Um, We've seen, you know, many organizations will put wonderful things in place and actually they don't resonate Um, or they don't work, they don't connect. 
um, but perhaps it's too late down the line <laughs> to, to, to withdraw. So it kind of a fail fast approach is a, is a good one and being agile um, and responsive to your people is another. Um, I think that's really, I mean, there are many tools that you can use to do that, but it's technology plus empathy, I think, and um, good, strong and fast decision-making. And is there, it sounds like there might be a disincentive to actually grapple with some of those because it means sort of maybe admitting that the you know the people who are making the decisions got it wrong is it a challenge i suppose to take some of that feedback and actually implement it catherine i don't know whether you've sort of seen any examples of that yeah i think so so um there is a bit of a trend at the moment for um people joining organizations based on an employer brand and people are leaving within a year Mm. um and certainly for um for gen z some of them are willing to leave within six months if the if the experience that they um, are having once they join the organisation doesn't match up to the employer brand. And I think it's really important that we, we've got a little bit of a phrase internally, which is, you know, you can't roll your employer brand in glitter. Right. You know, <laughs> That's nice. That's you, good. You really, you, you know, there, there needs to be a really nice balance of what it really is and some aspiration. Um, but essentially, it has to be there has to be a fundamental truth that is a foundation of your employer brand. And I think it, it's really important that um, once people get into the organisation, the experience really um, lives up to those expectations. To what extent then are we reliant on uh, sort of those third party tools like that to actually get an accurate reflection of how well the employer brand is actually working? Yeah, I don't think a tool like that is ever going to be an accurate reflection because it tends to be um, people who have left or people who aren't necessarily satisfied. Mm. Um, What I love is when an employer brand has almost kind of gone viral. So you have employees within the organisation on social media, not just LinkedIn, but also on Instagram, on their personal accounts. Mm. And they're celebrating the fact that they're part of an organization that enables them to live their best life. Right. So, you know, Emperor, I, we've got a colleague who lives in Brighton and um, she posted something on Instagram about the fact that she was in the sea in September uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. She loves the fact she's got that ability to go and live her best life. And I think, as soon as um, an employer brand starts to seep into people's personal social media channels with a hashtag, you know, you may have an organizational hashtag. Um, but that's when I think, you know, it's really successful because people are advocating for the organization and your employer brand therefore has a life of its own um, because I, it's so hard to control it. Mm. You know, you, you have to just accept that it is going to grow and develop. Um, and so, yeah, having employees using hashtags, telling their friends and family, their peer group about their experience is the best uh, way of getting your employer brand known, really. Yeah, that's, as you mentioned, it's such a hard thing to even engage with, let alone control, because there are so many moving parts, there's so many different stakeholders. Um, So one of the things that I did want to touch upon, rather, before we sort of wrap up the discussion, is 
when you're talking about, you know, brands that have done this particularly well, other than your own and Patagonia, is there anybody who you think, any organisations that you think have really mastered what it means to communicate what their employee brand is about? I would agree with Patagonia. I think they have had some amazing, they've, they've mixed employer brand and PR beautifully. Um, and I think that's where we sort of would say, well, what are the brands that have gone out, have a clear message, um, are particularly good at engaging with people? And interestingly, Salesforce is one of those people, mm. uh, one of those brands. Um, uh, and interestingly, on, on the sort of other side of the coin where we've mentioned Tesla, which is absolutely, you know, they are they are the forefront future technology. Um, a recent announcement um, about bringing everyone back to the office five days a week may not have had the right uh, impression um, on people and employees. I mean, you know, that that is an interesting move um, by by Tesla. Um, so I think, you know, where where I would say good brands, I think we see them all all over the place, and sometimes they'll be very small. Um, but why I mentioned Salesforce is I think they have a very holistic pr- approach to well-being, to um, to bringing people together. Um, they they concentrate on sort of multiple areas of um, of of their employees' life and talent. And I think the experience, to a point made earlier, about you can sell all you want early talent, um, and you can have the most wonderful campaigns out in the market. But if it doesn't ring true once they join, of course, people are going to leave. Mm. Um, and we're seeing this more and more. So I think it's a bit of you know the brands where they actually genuinely, authentically go out and sell to talent. The talent then joins, and however long they stay they will leave the organization saying, I've had an amazing experience. They will be your enduring brand advocates. They will be out there potentially becoming customers and clients. Um, And so I think it's more about, less about the duration within the organization where they show, brands show success. It's more about that enduring end-to-end early talent attraction all the way through to alumni um, where alumni boomerang back, but are equally out in the market saying, I've had the most wonderful experience with uh, X brand, uh, is what we've all got to strive for. See, that's the idea of advocacy as well is something that is so powerful. Mm. We'll have to come back to that as a separate conversation, I think. Yeah, Catherine, <laughs> there's, is there anybody who you think is doing it particularly well, who you've seen and gone, well, they have actually managed their employee brand incredibly well? Yeah, I think I think EY have done a really good job in the last 10 years, actually. Um, I mean, really position themselves as a, a destination for ambitious employees who are quite entrepreneurial. They've got a nice element around sustainability, a good sustainability story that they tell. Um, it's definitely um, a brand that has change perceptions i think um and i think in professional services there is there is a a perception of what the experience will be like when you go to work there but i would say out of all the professional services firms ey probably kind of nailed it i think for you know to to really uh, differentiate themselves nice perfect well as we sort of come to the end of the discussion i wondered as a final question Ultimately, where does the book stop when it comes to creating a really good employer brand? Is it kind of the the CEO of the company? Is it the C-suite? Is it sort of a holistic all employees type thing that, you know, that they all, it kind of rests upon everybody's shoulders? Where would you say the ultimate, ultimately that book stops when it comes to actually creating a really, really good employer brand? 
Uh, I would have, uh, I think all leadership are responsible for brand, mm. right? All leadership convey the brand. But I think there are two functions specifically where the skill sets and capability come together um, within the HR or people teams and in the marketing and communications team. And I think if you marry those two functions, and we see that across many organizations now where they are actually a married function, i.e. their employer brand or uh, a brand and people or engagement. There's lots of different terminology around it. Um, they, they can, as we say, rule the world. They can literally be the success factor for that business. Um, and they're tuned and plugged into talent trends, market trends, customer and talent combined. And interestingly, they have very similar, if you look at success factors for those two functions, they have very, very similar uh, KPIs. Mm. So where you might have the marketing, a chief marketing officer who is responsible for uh, client perception, um, satisfaction and experience, you have the CHRO who is, you know, talent experience, satisfaction um, and, and experience. So you've kind of got the two that marry and I think that is where we can make the biggest difference is bringing those two together holistically for every brand. Um, that's the aspiration, I think. Nice, fantastic. And Catherine, is it sort of a similar attitude that you're taking to, uh, to where the book stops or is there a sort of a, a different tack that you can take? Yeah, I think I think it has to be owned um, across the organisation holistically. Um, obviously, HR ha- is um, a, a kind of key driver of the employee value proposition, the employee experience. But actually, interestingly, now when you look at hybrid working, the role of I- the IT and technology team in enabling that new hybrid working. Mm. Um, so so many different um, functions and parts of the business all contribute to that employee experience that then has an impact on the employer brand as well. I think that's that's fascinating as well because that's something that even a couple of years ago might not have been you know part and parcel of the discussion and yet now due to the speed of change has suddenly become so central to it. But Emma, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. It's been really good fun. We barely scratched the surface of everything there is to say about creating and maintaining an employer brand. So we'll have to get you back in another couple of months to go through absolutely everything that we didn't get to discuss today. But for now, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you do want to hear more about employee branding, go to thedrum.com where ourselves, the our journalists and the Drum Network members talk about this on an almost daily basis. So please do head across to thedrum.com and stick around next episode when we're going to be discussing something else of paramount interest to the Drum Network's members. But for now, thank you so much and goodbye.